0: For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Hello and welcome officially to Fertility Life Raft. And um, I am Alice Rose and I'm here live with Emma Haslam from your IVF Abroad. How are you, Emma? I'm good, thanks, Alice. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. So we're recording this live with some of my gorgeous members. So hello to my members as well. Um, we won't get everyone to say hello because that would be long, but we <laughs> <laughs> but we love you and we know you're here. So thank you for joining us this morning. So Emma, I'm really happy to have you here because um, we were just chatting before I hit record about your story and about why you set up your um, company. So do you want to just share like what was your story um, and yeah tell us a bit more about about you and what, what has led you to do what you do.
1: Yeah sure so hi everybody um, again thanks for turning up live it's lovely when people do that. Um, so yeah I'm Emma Haslam and I'm an infertile mum of one. Um and my journey began just after we got married in when was that <laughs> 2014 when I still naively believed that you just have sex and got pregnant. <laughs> and infertility wasn't something that had ever kind of crossed my mind. Um probably sounds rather arrogant really, but you don't necessarily think about it until something you know happens to you. Um so we began kind of casually trying around the time that we um got married and then six months of casually trying then moved into like really trying and doing all the old wives tales stuff. And, and then it got a bit more serious and just not work, nothing was working. And I was like, well, maybe there's an issue. It's been a year, let's go to the doctors. So we went to the GP who ran some initial tests and they sent us down to gynae um, because they, they thought there was potentially issues on both sides and they diagnosed me as perimenopausal, and I was only like 33, I think, at the time, and my husband had a male factor infertility issue, so low sperm count and motility, so it was a bit of a double double whammy blow, really. Um, so again, a bit naively, we were like, oh, it's okay, we'll just have IVF, <laughs> not knowing what any of that means and not knowing that that's not a guarantee anyway but also um you know as you know if you're in the UK there's lots of um factors that you know dictate whether or not you get the funding and unfortunately due to my bmi i was not able to get the funding so we were we were sent away with no help or support or suggestion around how i could lose the weight it was just like go away lose six stone and then get back in touch. Um, But miraculously, I did manage to lose that weight, which, I mean, it's all gone back on again. (laughs) Well, it's all gone back on again and some's come off. I mean, people who struggle with a BMI will probably resonate with this. Um, It took me quite a while. You know, I, I didn't wanna go down the drastic route, but I can, you know, I know people who have, and it's so much pressure to have to lose that weight. Um, and I was fit and healthy otherwise, which is the frustrating thing. Um, and the other frustrating thing is I, you know, was perimenopausal, so time was not on my side. And yet here I am having to go and lose all of this weight. So I lost the weight um, and then went back to the appointment, like, yeah, you were ready now for IVF. And they were like, oh, I'm really sorry, but the rules have changed again. And um, you now need to get your BMI to under 30. And I was like, what? You know, and I'm smiling, but actually, but you know it wasn't funny it was like probably one of the lowest worst points of our journey because I was like I've just lost six stone which was you know an incredible amount of weight it was really difficult and I'm a comfort, I mean I'm an eater for all occasions but you know to kind of be going through infertility and then that being one of your comfort blankets taken away and you know to have, to have achieved something like that and then to be told actually no that's not good enough And that's how it felt but I knew that had I lived like five miles down the road I would have got funding because they were still at BMI 35 limit so I was really angry at this point um and again offered no help or support it was just like call us when you've lost another two and a half stone and so we left that appointment and I said to Adam my husband I can't lose another two and a half stone I mean at this point I was like a size 14 you know I was really fit and healthy and again time was marching on So we thought, right, no, we're not going to do that. Um, But I had no idea what we were going to do. So began to look at fertility treatment in the UK, had some consultations. Um, Now, this is just my experience. I'm not suggesting that every clinic in the UK will be like this. But for us, the the three that we talked to, we didn't find them to be particularly transparent, particularly around things like costings. It was hard work to get the costings from them. One example was I got some costing, uh, asked for costings, couldn't get them, spent 250 quid, maybe 300 quid on a consultation, Mm -hmm. only then to find out the costings afterwards and think, oh, my God, (laughs) we couldn't afford to use them anyway. Um, you know, we'd move back in with my mum as newlyweds, um, which is obviously, you know, a privilege to be able to do that, but not I not ideal newlywed circumstances. No. Um, and we'd stop doing everything that we, we like doing to kind of focus on saving this money and took all of the joy out of our lives. You know, it was just full on, as, as I know you guys understand. Um so we had three consultations, didn't really feel we got the click with any of the three clinics, spent about a grand, and were no further forward. And it was extremely frustrating and we'd been we'd been told by the NHS we had like three to five percent chance of conceiving which was agreed with privately so it was a really really difficult time um, because we were saving up all this money and you know we had very little chance of it actually going to work um, I honestly can't remember what led me to google fertility treatment abroad because as we were chatting about before Alice back then in like 2000 and Let's say 15, 16. It's not something, you know. I mean, I don't think I was even on Instagram then, but there certainly wasn't the kind of community we've got now. Mm. You know, there was some old posts on like mum's nets, but that wasn't really where I was hanging out. Um, you know, and it was like this, like really strange thing to possibly consider doing. I remember telling my mum what we were thinking of doing, she was absolutely horrified. She was like, Don't do that, we'll find another way. I was like, But there isn't another way, Mum, like it's so much cheaper and I started to do some research and she was like yeah but how do you know it's safe I was like well I'll just you know I'll keep doing my research and and as I said to Alice earlier you know honestly did I fully know when we'd made that decision no but we were vulnerable and desperate mm. and what I did know was that my money was going to go further to give us more chances and I really liked the clinics that we spoke to you know some of the consultations were free and it, we didn't really have any other choice we looked at surrogacy and we would looked at adoption and didn't feel that they were right for us um and it would have been if we'd have gone in the UK we'd have probably saved enough to have like one round here and obviously we couldn't live with my parents forever um and then that would have been it and with such low chances it just felt like we literally might as well set you know the money on fire mm. um so what what made me google it I don't know other than we're quite well traveled we love traveling and uh, you know I know that not ne- we're not necessarily always the best at everything in this country although we might think we are you know haven't been to other places you know things run more efficiently in different areas and I was like well why not um and so that's kind of how I got to go abroad and I had a great clinical experience but I went through the process feeling very anxious very overwhelmed very unsure about what I was doing if it was the right thing I didn't know where to get my questions answered like impartially. I didn't know if I'd chosen the right clinic for our needs Um, and that was very stressful and overwhelming and having no one to turn to and frantically googling for support it just didn't exist back then. It wasn't there but yeah I'd been through a great experience in terms of clinically and I wanted people to know that if you're having to fund private fertility treatment that there are other choices to consider that may or may not be right for you but just to know that it's out there and if done right, can be amazing. Um, and to avoid some of the pitfalls, you know, that I suppose we encountered or could have encountered because we were winging it a lot of it. I mean, I like I say, I did a lot of research, but I didn't know what I was doing like I do now. Um, and so it could have gone the other way. Fortunately, it didn't. And we did have a, you know, as IVF goes, we had a good experience. Um, yeah. So when I was on my return to leave, um, had horrible postnatal depression and I needed I think something to kind of channel some of the trauma and upset of infertility and so that's what I decided to do um and that was like three and a half years ago and I've never looked back.
0: Wow what a story I can't believe what you had to go through in order to get here like the what you had to do with you know everything that you tried and then to have that double whammy of um you know issues on both sides that I can't imagine that must have been so difficult so what 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 went through your head when they said that you were perimenopausal at 33 was it yeah
1: yeah um oh, I was devastated particularly when I was when I was been, then being sent away to lose weight like because oh. that and it just felt like a ticking timer going off in my head all of the time and we actually ended up having um double donation now this wasn't something that was mentioned to us in the UK I'm not sure why and to be honest it wasn't even on our radar as even an an option I didn't know anything about it but when we had our consultations with the clinics abroad they said look if you want to have a go with your own eggs and sperm you can but it's not going to work which was probably more of a oh okay no one's ever said that to us before Um, but everyone's different I think when it comes to things like donor conception but for us, I think I finally just felt some hope, and so did my husband. And maybe weirdly, or not weird, I don't know, because there were issues on both sides, it was a little bit easier for us personally to kind of accept that it was it was both of us. And then my husband really struggled and, and convinced himself for ages that it was like... Gonna be his fault i mean it's no one's fault obviously but he convinced himself that he'd had an operation on his um testicles when he was younger i mean loves it when i talk about talk about his testicles
0: <laughs> <laughs> They will do they will love yeah. it
1: loves it but um you know he, he carried a lot of guilt and, and shame around that even though i would never blame him but actually ended up being being both of us so i really like the honesty around that because yes we could have gone through it put ourselves through it and wasted money but they were like It's not going to work. You can do it if you want, but it's not going to work. So that was probably harder to hear. But then at the same time, there was hope because they were like, you know, you've got options and, you know, these chances of success then rock it up. So while it was difficult to hear I was perimenopausal, it was more difficult because there was no plan around it. It was just like, you're perimenopausal, off you go, lose some weight. Whereas when I was then told... Actually, yet your perimenopause is not going to work as well. That for some reason felt, I don't know, better because there was somebody who was giving me options. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that take on it. Just an incredibly um positive way of looking at things. And was there, was there, I mean, gosh, what you went through with the, so you had all that information through with um, you know, the UK clinics. Mm-hmm. you were were sent away to lose six stone, which you went away and did. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. And also there's this very big question mark over the BMI and funding and all of that anyway. I mean, it's awful what happens. And I get a lot of people messaging me saying, yes, I was also turned away or, you know, that's a huge, huge issue here in the UK, isn't it? So the fact that you went away, you were like, fine, fine, fine. I'll lose six stone. Watch me, watch me. And then you did (laughs) it. (laughs) And then the little... Fuckers, excuse me, but really I can't imagine how absolutely gutting that must have been for them to then come back and say, oh no, no, we changed we changed the rules again. I mean, what the
1: That was that was worth the worst thing for me on the whole thing. So that was worse for me than being told you can't have your own biological children, which some for some people will probably sound really like, what? Um, but I think because we'd already explored surrogacy, we'd already explored adoption, we were open to other other paths to parenthood. Um and obviously everybody's plan A is to have children biologically. Well, to have sex, first of all, and have children that way. Um, but, you know, life doesn't always, excuse me, <clears throat> go to plan. And I think sat here now with my four-year-old, I genuinely wouldn't change how he came to be because if if we had our, a biological child, then he wouldn't be him, would it? So mm. I wouldn't change that now. Now, I wish for a simpler story for him. You know, I hope that he's okay with how he came to be. Um, But I also very much believe, try to uh, uh, sort of stay in the present where I can rein myself in because some people hate their biological parents. (laughs) And I just think, you know, Honest is important. You know, he knows in a child friendly way he knew it too, because it came up, you know, he kind of knows um, some narrative around it. And, you know, we'll love and support him, whatever and whatever his choices are. And you can tie yourself in knots about what if this and what if that, but, you know, ultimately he was, he's a very wanted little boy. And, you know, we went through a lot to, to get him, didn't we?
0: Mm, Oh, so much. You went through so much. I mean, yeah. Thank you for sharing that because yeah, there's a lot, in your story so much that um kind of has gone into it and it, it sounds like you are you know we obviously focus a lot on mindset in the work that I do and the fact that you're able to sort of sit in the present and say this is this is what has happened so this is what I'm going to do about it and that is a really um I mean I'm sure there must have been lots of moments of frustration and you were saying I think actually yeah that you were you were angry so it was a bit when they said you know um all oh, the rules have changed and that was the moment where you you felt so angry about it but you know what anger gets such a bad rep and I'm such a champion for anger because actually it can really give you the motivation and energy to get to the next point where you need to get to in order to you know keep your story moving forward right so when you were you feeling that that level of emotion and that frustration with the UK clinic saying no nope, we're not going to give you the funding you know that led you to keep exploring what your options were to mm-hmm. then decide right we're going to think about going abroad and we're going to we're going to look into this so and that was interesting that you said that your your mum was absolutely horrified when you said oh, <laughs> but I was say we just before we we pressed record like it did feel quite out there just only a few years ago and it's the same yeah, it again 20 uh maybe 14, 15, where I was in it all. And um I, as I said, like I, I knew one person who had gone abroad, and that was um like Simon's colleague or, or something. I can't remember exactly who it was, but like someone he worked with. And um I was really like, whoa, whoa, that feels that feels big, like going <laughs> abroad, you know. It's like but what's crazy about that is that you know, you look at what goes on in the UK with Clinics, and I'm sure there are loads of. that I mean, I know that there's lots of things which are not as ethical as they should be. There's certainly not the transparency of co- that the funding issue for the NHS. I mean, there's so many things that mm. are wrong in the UK about fertility treatment. So it's just the fact that it's not here. <laughs> you know, yeah, for people listening. Down,
1: yeah, obviously,
0: if, you know, I do have global global listeners, so it's it's um. You know wherever you are in the world if you choose to go outside of your home country yeah. you know I just feel like there is a bit of a leap so when you said to your mum and she was horrified um
1: <laughs>
0: tell, tell me a bit more about that what happened when you did she eventually sort of come around to
1: it well, I mean now she's like she ever meets anybody she's like you should go abroad <laughs> um well, I mean she, she I was like what is the solution mom like can't live with you forever um you know, and explained the costs. And I suppose as I began to do more research and showed her stuff, I mean, I still think she was horrified, but ultimately it was our decision and there was not really any other choice. I was like, so we use it, you know, we spend all our money, go once in the UK, or we, you know, got multiple options by going abroad. Because if it doesn't work first time, then it's game over. Like if we do it in the UK and I don't want that pressure and it's not, you know, it's probably not going to work with a three to 5% chance. Um, and like I say, donor conception hadn't been mentioned to us in the UK, so that wasn't on our radar. So, I mean, ultimately, I suppose she just had to, to go with it. But, yeah, she was terrified. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I guess
0: mean, it was, it's more the fear for you. Yeah. Right?
1: That was what, would it, what it was. About safety. And, you know, like I always say to people, it isn't safe and ethical to go anywhere. So you must do your research. So what I'm not sat here saying is, one, that it's right for everybody, um, because it won't be some people it's just too much you like like we said Alice before we started recording it's going through treatment is a lot anyway for some people adding in going abroad it's too much um you know and that's that it's not right for everybody but for lots of people it can be right and if you do your research and you know that you go into the a safe clinic an ethical clinic you know in a in a safe country and one that really meets your need. you know there's some great places out there and I suppose that's my my message and it's about people having um choice some choice because so much choice and control is taken away from us so to have some of that back I think is a really good thing um and I think you mentioned before Alice about like mindset please don't get me wrong and think that I'm completely positive all the time because it's not true no one is um I am naturally a, a glass half full person but going back then I mean I honestly didn't recognize myself at times I felt very angry very jealous very bitter I mean I had thoughts where I was just so jealous of other people and that's not really in my nature naturally but I think infertility just brings out all the feels and I used to really like um what's the word really kind of crucify myself over that and think oh my goodness I must be such a bad person to think these things when actually what was happening to me was the bad thing and I think sometimes you know people will experience you will experience different emotions but it's it's that's normal it's okay isn't it it's what you do isn't it's your actions not your not your feelings um and I think speaking now I suppose from the scar rather than the wound it's easier for me to kind of stay in the present but you know we still may have challenges in the future um depending on how Albie feels about how he came to be a little boy but I I know that that it's pointless for me to let my mind spiral and keep worrying about something that may never even happen. So I try and keep myself very present, but that's taken some sort of, you know, practice. And like I say, I'm I'm kind of through the other side, really. So it's easier for me now.
0: Yeah, I mean... that's the thing it's a process and uh, you know a lot my members will know that we never um cancel feelings in the life raft like we always acknowledge and honor them because trying to just be positive all the time it just Uh, is robotic and not human and uh, what we do is like welcome everything in so that actually you know the anger is welcome the frustration is welcome even the jealousy is welcome because it's teaching us something that needs to be healed or it's showing us the way that you know we need to focus back on our own our own self-compassion or whatever it is, but yeah, I think the fact that you then also had to, so you dealt with, the, you know, you dealt with the the um, diagnosis on both sides. You dealt with having to lose the weight. You dealt with having to change your plan completely because you had to then look for other options. Um, you looked into surrogacy, looked into adoption, decided to go abroad, and then they was they you had to go through the acceptance of right. We're going to need to do double donor. So there was all sorts of levels that I wonder if by the point, (laughs) by the stage, they were like, it's not going to work. You might've been like, okay, fine, whatever, whatever, whatever. Let's just just get off with it. Cause you'd already been through so many different things. Do you think there's something in that? Like you'd already kind of.
1: Yeah, I do. Because finally someone's saying, but you've got an option and I know I'm not, I don't want to sound flippant when I go, we were like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Obviously there were feelings and things around it, but it was quite an easy easy yes decision for us it isn't always for lots of people and that's okay too um you know because some people say oh but I'm not as confident and I'm like that's that's okay you know I'm not here to say to you well you should just be like fine about donor conception we're all different but for us at that point finally somebody was saying to us we can help you and I think like you said Alice because we had looked at adoption which wouldn't been our biological children. I just felt like, well, do you know, if we're happy to do that, then at least this way I get to, if it works, carry a child. give birth to a child, they'll have some of my epigenetics because I'm gonna be feeding this baby through my placenta um, and they're gonna be with us from birth um, and it, you know, influenced by our, by our environment, matched to us. Um, so we get, we get to control some of that. Um, so, yeah, we were just, it was just an instant yes from both of us. Mm. Um, we were just relieved at last to be finally flipping, moving forward, because it just had yeah. been going on for so long. And it's, it's draining, it's exhausting, as you all know. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like you were talking before about, about feelings. And I, I, I wish things like this had been around when I was trying to conceive, because what I did was I was just like some sort of machine. Mm moving forward moving forward moving forward and like through my failed cycles I was just like right let's get on to the next one and I was upset but it was like I put everything in this box in the back of my head and just was desperate as we are to have a baby and what I should have done was slow down and dealt with each failed cycle and I didn't and then what happened was I had a very anxious pregnancy and which is common I think for people who've had fertility treatment anyway and then when my son was born had horrendous postnatal depression which Mm -hmm. I to all of everything I'd been through mm. um, you know and at one of my lowest points didn't want to be here it was truly like horrendous and I had it for 18 months I didn't dare speak up till about I was about nine months old and even though at the time I worked for children and family service so I knew really they wouldn't take him off me um, and I had no doubt about my love for him and the postnatal depression it was nothing to do with him I was like I'd convinced myself that they'd think that I was a terrible mum and I thought if I speak out people are gonna think I'm so ungrateful you know, I've had IVF, What's a beautiful baby? What's wrong with you, Emma? Mm. Um, you know, what was wrong with me is I had post depression. I've been through a lot of uh, unresolved trauma. And I found, um, by luck, I was given a counsellor um, and I only had a couple of sessions with her and I thought she was okay. But then she went off on sick and I was given this other lady who was just an absolute babe. A man who, like, she just got me. I, you know, I felt really comfortable with her. And we worked one-to-one and she gave me counselling and CBT and it literally changed everything. Oh. Uh, and, you know, I feel like she saved my life. Like she brought my life back and, you know, I was unable to enjoy being a mum. And I wish I'd have spoken out sooner, but I, I, if I'd have had support perhaps earlier, then I think that would have been helpful. Like with all my clients, when they either get a positive or a negative, I always say, I really suggest you consider like, some support because we think that getting to that point is then it solves everything but actually the anxiety for lots of people the trauma for lots of people continues and so support is super important but having it while you're going through it I think is probably more helpful than trying to do everything after.
0: I mean, firstly, I'm so sorry you went through that. I can't imagine how, you know, you already had been through such a lot and then to be dealing with PND um, must have been incredibly, incredibly tough. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us as well. Um, But I really think, and thank you for saying this as well, because I think that there is a lot to... Uh, to look into it's like this unresolved trauma and why you know actually if we take the time which is which is exactly what we do here in the raft isn't it people Um, (laughs) is that we really really do um, honour everything that comes up and I really try to help people to move through these feelings and thoughts and everything in a really healthy way so that nothing is you know you're not keeping things in there because it does build up and it ends up you know who you don't know which way it's going. not saying everybody is gonna um experience that but it's certainly certainly important more I mean for me you know mindset is the number one thing that should be on there I mean I I just think mindset work or whatever you want to call it you know support whatever it is and wherever you get it it needs to be the number one thing because then everything else is dealt with in a really conscious and um informed way from a place of like you know feeling centered feeling grounded feeling like you've got something you've got something to get you like if things um do go in a different direction to what you plan or what you hope for you've always got that you know support so yeah Thank you for, for um, saying that, I think. Yeah, uh, early, 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 early um, support from the, from, the, from the beginning, from the from the start, I really think it, it would be life-changing. But I'm so glad that you found this, this babe of a counsellor who saved your life, and it's just incredible, you know, support and what it can do, and to be able to, to be vulnerable and, and have the courage to be vulnerable and say, I'm not coping or I'm not well, you know, I need some help. Can be that's that's
1: the hardest (laughs) thing, um, because I was just so worried that people would think I was ungrateful and that I was somehow whinging about things when this is all I ever wanted. When actually, when we kind of scratched the surface, it was nothing to do with having a baby as such, it was everything else that I just tried to just get on with, yeah. Um, And that's why now, I mean, I'm obviously not a, a trained coach or anything, but with like my clients you know that I work with one-to-one for them to have that support from somebody that's been there like I know the kind of the crunch points for people and just been able to sort of check in and make sure people are doing okay and to signpost if they need any extra help and to suggest things I think you know wherever you get your support from is it's invaluable that you get some I mean now you know even if people haven't got budgets there's free communities and things online like we said that weren't there before um yeah. you know, we yeah. were going through infertility well, kind you know, of- it's like
0: support can look like all kinds of different things like listening to this well, podcast is a form of yeah. support, you know, anything you know if it's internal support that you give yourself or it's external whatever it is just knowing that you're not alone knowing that it's normal for whatever feelings are coming up and that you are you know you're not whinging you're not whatever it is you know yeah. at whatever stage it's just so so important not to hold on to the stuff that you that oh, comes yeah. up you know yeah. um How are we doing? Yeah, so guys, people who are live and listening, do drop questions into the chat if you have them as I'm I'm chatting to Emma. I'm going to ask some more now um, that have come through. Um, But yeah, do pop them in there. Let me just get some up because I want to talk a little bit more about the people that you support and the things that they come to you with. Um, I mean, one of the things that I think is just so key here is just talking about the cost, the cost of IVF. The cost of treatment and not just IVF, but the cost of treatment. Do you have, actually this question, do you have anyone who comes to you who, who wants to, because obviously it's called your IVF abroad, but do you send yeah. or support people not just for IVF, different kinds of treatment? Yeah.
1: Yeah all kinds of fertility testing and treatment apart from surrogacy because it's okay. not something that I um, have experienced, understand enough. It's very, very, very complex so it's not something I feel comfortable with but yeah, IU, IUI, sorry sun shining in on me. <laughs> <You can voice laughs> lovely. lovely, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it is lovely. Um, yeah, any fertility testing and treatment um, in Europe?
0: Okay, so it's all in, okay, so instead of kind of doing all of the initial tests here, if for any reason, you know, you can't get the NHS funding or it's just, it's the wait the waiting often can be the, the key. So what, tell me about the people that come to you and the sort of things that they're going through that have led them to, to find you and pick up the phone and call you.
1: Yeah, so actually I have clients all around the world, which is mega. Um, so clients here in the UK and Ireland, I um, have clients in Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, because in all of those countries, they're very expensive, like here. Um, I get a lot of people, not all, who who have accessibility issues. So um, be that to state-funded, usually to state-funded treatment. So I'll get a lot of single um, ladies, I'll get people who are older, in inverted commas, um, people with higher BMIs, people in same-sex female couples, um people who have had multiple failed cycles in their home country and want a different different take um and I get a lot of people who have moved from are moving from own egg treatment to donor egg or yeah. double donation and want options because abroad you've got options around anonymity and, and non-anonymity plus the costs are even you know even the cost differences are even greater um so that's kind of the people that I get. I tend to work with people, I mean, literally kind of up to sort of mid 40s from and kind of late 20s, a real mixture of lovely, wonderful humans. Um, and what was the, the question you asked me, Alice? Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, no, oh,
0: well, I was just interested to, to hear like, who is it? Who, who contacts you? And yeah, so it's a it's, real, it's, it's quite a mix, isn't it? And obviously, say so like. Real
1: mix. Yeah, a real mix. And uh, people who are looking for that kind of impartial view. Um, and people who recognize the importance of support usually and um, you know some people it's about saving money but often actually that's not the first thought I mean I always say to people that we're not looking for cheap fertility treatment here we're looking for good value Um, but people who want to be matched to a clinic that that meets their needs because while I'm obviously not medically trained and can offer no medical advice whatsoever through the research and my collaborations with clinics I've learned who are specialists in what but also who are you know how they work so in terms of people's personalities and medical needs I know kind of who to suggest and also with people's budgets so that they get a really good fit and I offer three clinics and then they can then see them and ultimately they've got to decide who's right for them so I think giving people back some of that control and choice then they can kind of relax can't they and um you know, I think, I do think kind of lining people up with a clinic that really meets their needs, gives them a better chance of success, particularly if your budget's going to stretch further, because we know it's a numbers game, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a real mixture of people that I, that I support. I love that you've said that,
0: because, right, I feel like the, a lot of the issue that we have with fertility treatment is is not taking into account the humanness of the people going through it. Um, and to address actually personality type with like how a clinic works and look at, is this going to work for them? Because some people will need more, uh, you know, direct communication. Some people are going to be okay with just whatever order, you know, it depends on the, the human going through the treatment so actually to look at the whole person and to go right how is this that's amazing what an amazing service
1: and And also destination so there's destinations where some people can't have treatment but there's also destinations where people might not want to have treatment so say for example you know if you were a person of color you might not feel comfortable in certain countries I had one client say screw them I'll I'll go there anyway I'm like good for you but it's my job to tell them and then they can make the informed decisions and and it's that's of the thing isn't it yes I can do all the safety work and all of that kind of thing but you know really finding your dream partner clinic is so important in terms of experience that you're going to have you know I can't guarantee that they're going to have a baby I wish I could wave a magic wand but I really want people to be able to take back some control stop the flipping waiting get some answers make informed decisions stretch the budget further and to have the best experience that they can going through this with the most support so that whatever the outcome, they don't have any regrets because I think regrets is an awful place to feel, you know, to be. Um, and that's kind of my, my mission, I suppose. And, you know, I, I don't believe in a one size fits all. So people go, hey, Emma, where did you go? And I'll be like, I went to Czech Republic, but I don't say which clinic, not because I'm trying to be like cloak and dagger, but because I know people go, well, I'll go there if Emma went there. But actually yeah. that might not be right for you um you know so I do believe that that is really quite an important part of it
0: absolutely and I I, yeah I love that because it's it's taking it's it, it also is is um reminding all of us that we are responsible for our own decisions we're responsible for our own lives we're, we are responsible so as much as we can gather information from trusted sources like you and other people and other places where you can find this information it really is uh, our responsibility to, to look at it and go right is this right for me rather than to just go right I am done with my research can't be bothered to look anymore um you know not, not <laughs> I get it if you are you know in that in that mindset. Um, And I've certainly done that before where I'm like, you know what, if it's good enough for her, that's what I'm going to go with. But maybe not when it comes to fertility treatment. Although actually having said that, I am thinking like, how did I choose? (laughs) And I remember um one of the ways that I actually decided on after we've been through a lot of NHS treatment I decided to have um you know switch clinics and one of the ways I d- decided was because I had a good friend one of my only friends um who I knew at the time going through it who had just um had treatment with this with this clinic and, and one of my reasons was like well it's fine but she's done okay with her so I, I will go there too but that also comes with the caveat of like but also i knew i just had an in, you know you kind of you
1: have to go on a bit on yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, and, I, and i say it without judgement you know like it's Absolutely. okay if you've done that or you're going to do that but yeah. you know what's right what's right for one will not necessarily be right for you and it's why i give people three clinics because i yeah. always say to my clients i'm going to narrow down this massive pool so you're going to get three safe clinics that are registered regulated that suit your brief suit your needs but ultimately i can't tell you who to go with you know you need to be in touch with them and You know, I want to empower my clients that they can do this, that they know themselves better than anybody. Because I think sometimes along the way, people get lost and unsure and it's such a minefield. IVF will stop and they think about going abroad and people are like, oh, can you just tell me? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, all three of them suit you based on your needs. So you will get a feeling. And ultimately, once they're in touch with clinics and they've had the consultations, they do know. And they're taking that kind of a bit of control back, which I think is really important as well.
0: Three is a good number, too. Three is good. A it's a number. Too many, but it's giving you some <laughs> choice. Three is good. Right, I have a question here. Hi, Emma, thank you for sharing your story. I can resonate with the awful feelings that come with BMI factor of things. I have a question. We were looking at going abroad, but were put off as we were told it would take months for paperwork to have our frozen goods. I'm assuming you mean your sperm, whatever it is that you're, you're doing, um, to have our frozen goods shipped over. Do you know if people have faced difficulties with this recently? think a brexit
1: thing <clears throat> yeah so um thank you for your question pre-brexit it was a bit easier but still not necessarily that easy there are companies out there that can do it you you can do it it is doable um brexit's basically slowed it down and made it more expensive boo um but it can be done but I suppose what you probably need to think about is when you've maybe got some costings um because it can vary and it can it can be like between like two and three grand I think like I mean I don't really get involved with it too much because it's quite it's quite complex but I like to signpost people to places but you know I suppose what you need to probably work out is is it financially worth it for you to go abroad by shipping your stuff there and it might be and and it might not be um, you might not be motivated by finances in terms of your reason for going abroad so it can be done um you know the clinic that you're interested in using may have a partner that would possibly be the easiest way of, of doing it because they you need to pick a company that sorry a clinic that will accept um it from the company that you're thinking of using so it is doable but there is a, a significant cost factor to it and there's a time factor to it as well
0: mm-hmm. and you've noticed that that has got longer and more complicated because of brexit
1: yeah longer and more expensive so it's just, it takes longer and it's it cost more money which is annoying so I
0: suppose it's there you know it's it's weighing up the um it's weighing up isn't it as you say like is it is, is this what's the payoff you know yes. if I do decide to go that route versus staying here what yeah. and, and and I mean this is standard like pros and cons thing really isn't it <laughs> Get Absolutely. it's, doable. it's yeah.
1: doable but you've got to work out whether it's right for you
0: yeah and what 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 is it that's motivating you to go abroad you know all of that stuff so yeah thank you for that and let's let's support you more with that Sarah as well in the raft like come come and um chat with us and we can help you work through it mindset wise um so Lucy's saying I've been through the process of transporting abroad and Brexit did have an impact both time and price yeah so Lucy's just recently um been through all of this um so yeah, has, has, has had some personal experience, as I'm sure, you know, lots of people listening will have done as well. So if you're listening, and you want to contribute to this, then definitely um, get in touch, you can DM us on my Instagram, or underneath the post that I'm going to share on this as well. Um, so yeah, what else do we need to ask any other questions, by the way, for everybody joining us live, then please drop them in. I'm going to have a look at the other ones that I noted down here. Oh, this is a good one, right? Hmm. So, when do you know it's time to explore IVF abroad?
1: So, now I know what I know, I would say, why not? Why not straight away if you're considering private fertility treatment? That's not just because I've got a company in, in fertility treatment abroad, right? But I think sometimes, and I get this because we've, we've been there, people think it's like a second rate option. Um, and perhaps in some places it might be and as we've said there's stuff to sort out particularly if you're going to do it by yourself but you know um, not only is it cheaper there are some really world-class clinics out there and so let's take Europe as an example so in Europe not all clinics but a lot of the clinics out there are geared up really well for international patients because they get clients from all over the world coming to them to have fertility treatment. And they offer very innovative testing and techniques, and they're doing a hell of a lot more fertility testing and treatment than we are in the UK. You know, people don't come here from other countries to have their fertility treatment. They go to Europe. So, you know, if if you're thinking to yourself, well, we'd only go because it's a, the cost difference. I suppose I would challenge you to, or invite you to, you know, think outside of that and think, actually, you know, maybe there are some other benefits. Perhaps there are some more choice of clinics. Well, there are because you're moving from one country to, a, say, a continent. um So perhaps we can find one in a place that we'd love to visit or we've been before that might help with the experience. We can have, you know, a holiday. When I say a holiday, it's not obviously the same as when you're not having fertility treatment. But I do believe that that You know, it makes a difference. And I I mean, I can't personally compare it because I haven't had fertility treatment in the UK, but um, I loved being away because you're not at the clinic all of the time. And my clients will go, once they get there, are like, oh, yeah, no, I I get it now. I understand that. Um, So I think there's benefits to kind of being away for some people. Some people be like, oh my God, no, I just want to be at home. And that's okay. But if you are kind of, if you enjoy traveling and you enjoy going to different countries, you know, Knowing that there's more choice around clinics, your budget's gonna go further. Um, I mean, there's just so many benefits if you're doing it safely and you do all your research and everything. And in some ways, I also think, depending on what your personality's like, like for me, doing all of that research um, and getting down with thinking, right, I'm going to go abroad or I think I'm going to go abroad and starting to look at stuff actually helped me because I felt like things were moving mm-hmm. and I wasn't just in this stalemate position. Yeah. So I would say, you know, why not consider it from the off unless you absolutely know that it's just a step too far for you right now. For some people, it just, it just is or it feels that way and you don't want to make yourself feel worse. But there's no harm in exploring it. You don't have to go if you explore something yeah um, but you know now it is something that people are doing far more often as we talked about alice when we were having our treatment and looking at it like i was like some sort of lone wolf doing yeah. this um but it's not like that anymore um no. you, but you do still have to be careful you know you have to look at making sure you're going somewhere safe and ethical um because not everywhere is is like that yeah, not yeah. saying that to scare you, but you know, you do need to make sure you do it, do everything properly and that so that you've got that peace of mind when the you go in religions. abroad.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another question that's come through live. So she says, uh, thank you for sharing your experiences. In terms of the sort of price difference between UK and abroad with IVF cycles or donor egg cycles, what is the sort of price difference? I know it'll obviously vary from place to place and depending on circumstances. Thank you. Good question.
1: Yeah, good question. So Let's it
0: depends talk- on where you go. But- Sorry, go on. <laughs> just, I'm just chatting extra. I'll be quiet. you You no, answered no, the question.
1: Right. I didn't know if it would come through from somebody else, so sorry, Alice, yeah, it's fine. don't worry. Um so yeah, you're absolutely right with those factors, you know, varying things, but what I can do is give you some examples of what treatment starts from and for what, if that's helpful. So you could have, for example um IVF, own egg, own sperm with ICSI from around about two thousand two hundred. Pounds, excluding obviously medication and your travel, and that can go up to about four, four and a half, four thousand. So I'm thinking in euros and pounds. About four thousand pounds um, would be that kind of bracket. Um, donor eggs. um So I'm trying to shift my phone a little bit, so I'm not squinting. Donor eggs. The savings are um, even more. Um, so donor egg cycle. You might be looking at around about um, six thousand pounds for a fresh donor egg cycle. Also, a lot more things are naturally included abroad. So often things like either you you pay sometimes you pay for an initial consultation, sometimes it's free. But like if you have to pay once, it's just once, and then you don't pay generally for the rest of the consultations. You know things like your scans are usually included. You know a lot of the things in like say the uk and america it's every single thing is charged for so it's kind of hard i think sometimes to work out what the full cost differences would be um but you know like for like considerably cheaper um you know people have had two rounds for the price of one including everything versus their home countries um for me, using um, double donation, we actually um, used embryo donation. And often with the, the donation schemes, there's, there's guarantees around things like number of blastocysts or like for me, it was if you weren't pregnant after your second cycle, you got the third one for free. So I actually had three rounds of embryo do- donation for the price of one in the UK. So, um, you know, the cost differences are, are huge. <laughs>
0: massively um, different isn't it I mean what was interesting what you said earlier was that people don't come here for fertility treatment they go to Europe is there is there um like any kind of study or uh anything to show any I, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see like what is what are the numbers how many people are going to, to Europe for IVF treatment or any other fertility treatment
1: I don't know the numbers um I know there's been like some of the clinics that I've talked to in the last sort of, they've said to me in the last sort of three years, because a journalist asked me a similar question and they said, do you think there's been a rise in fertility tourism? So a couple of the clinics I spoke to said they'd seen sort of five to 10% rise in the last three to five years. I mean, I think one of the reasons people won't come here is cost, must be cost, first and foremost, um, because, you know, we do have very good standards of medical care in the UK, don't we? Um, But... yeah I don't know why I don't know why Europe um you know it's it's difficult with things like success rates to compare you know because they all measure things differently and so it's very hard to compare like the UK to abroad they do you know the clinics like for example the ones I work with have high success rates but I couldn't say to you well that's higher than the UK well it might be higher than the UK but it's difficult to say um Compare because they all measure things at different times, and I'm all about transparency and cutting through some of that kind of stuff. So I don't know, but I, I would I would hazard a guess that the cost is a huge thing for people. I think having a choice of of clinics, mm. um, but also you know a lot of these clinics have taken part in 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 kind of leading the way around research and development, um, and you know a lot of doctors from abroad have worked all around the world. Um, So some of the clinics that I I recommend to people are, you know, they're they're speaking at, you know, they're teaching at universities, they're you know, they're coming up with some of these innovative techniques and things that we're using, and that's coming from you know European people um and, and, and clinics. So, you know, perhaps it's some of that. And I think the accessibility is wider, perhaps in those countries. I mean. Just a note on accessibility, because what I don't want people to think is that there are some places that you could go and have fertility treatment, whether it was safe for you to do so or not. That's certainly not the the countries or clinics that I work with. But I think in the UK, it's, you know, it's quite restrictive in some of the some of the innovative testing and techniques that we offer aren't that innovative compared to Europe. Um, Like one of my clients said to me recently that she'd been to see a consultant at a UK clinic. And he'd said, we're about 10 years behind Europe. Now that's just, you know, an arbitrary comment, but that was very interesting. Mm. Um, his, that was his take on it. You know, lot of UK clinics send people abroad for donor eggs. Um, so I think accessibility, innovation and cost are my suspicions. And, you know, while I can't say their success rates are higher, you, you do get, and I have had clients like, who have had multiple failed cycles in the UK, then they go abroad and then it works. Yeah. um yeah so that's my suspicion but no I there's no I don't have access to kind of any numbers on that so no it's but really it's fascinating, isn't it? yeah
0: I'm sure at some point there will be some sort of study that will come out to say yeah, the, the, yeah. The impact to Brexit and all of that um okay so we're coming towards the end of our time together so yeah thank you for our live questions if anyone's got any I'm probably got one time for one more question if anyone wants to pop one in um yeah. but I would say like if I was, if I was listening to this and I was thinking, oh, I'm thinking about it. But what what are the kind of? Do you have like a sort of top? <laughs> putting you on the pressure on, on the on the what's the expression? Putting you under pressure on, on the spotlight. Oh my god, I can't. My brain isn't working. On but the anyway, spot. On the spot. Thank you. <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the spot. So putting you on the spot. Do you have kind of, you know, top three things that you should consider before? Going abroad for treatment?
1: (laughs) Yes. So, my first one would be think about destination before you think about clinic. And that's twofold. One, you've got to be comfortable where you're going to be going. It's got to be somewhere that you, you know, you're going to feel okay and happy to be. It's got to be somewhere that you can afford to be, like cost of living wise, but also can you have treatment in that country? Um, So, for example, some people in certain countries if they were single or in a same-sex female couple for example couldn't have treatment which is quite outrageous isn't it but there you go that's just the way that it is or are you a person of color and you know where are you considering going not that you should have to consider where you're going but for some people you know if they're going to go somewhere that is still quite racist country overall then you might not want to go there so start with destination also if you start with destination you will feel far less overwhelmed because otherwise it's like where do I flipping start with this Mm. With destination um and then the the biggest one obviously is doing your homework so it's great to find out what so-and-so thinks and -and so-and-so thinks but that can also be overwhelming but you know are you going somewhere that you know that is safe you know, you know, make sure they're registered, make sure they're regulated, but also does it suit your personality, does it suit your medical needs? Really, really important. Mm-hmm. And number three would be be organized. Like, I don't mean that in a patronizing way, but um, you've got to be organized to kind of keep on top of everything. If you stay organized, um then like I used to have a little folder, um, I printed everything out and and I'm bringing out a journal. It's not out yet, but like a planner and a journal to help people because that would have been super helpful for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, just to record everything, keep everything together will make the process feel less overwhelming. So they are my top three tips.
0: Great advice. Absolutely brilliant. And I think yeah all of that just so good for your you know your your mind not to go spiraling because you're keeping it grounded again centered and just I like the idea of starting with destination also it kind of like <laughs> makes it a bit more a bit more fun not that yeah. it's fun yeah. but you know as you say like actually going well actually maybe, maybe there will be some some good times that I can have while I while I'm out there yeah. doing this if I'm, if I'm going on a plane and you know so I, I think there's absolutely something in that, which something will I'm sure be happening with, with your brain while you're away from your home, if that's what the decision is. You know, you are so, it's, you're in such a different place. The perspective that I'm particularly interested in in perspectives and shifting mindsets through, you, you know, um, choosing a new lens to see things through. And if you are away that is like a lot of the work is done for you because you are so um you know so in a whole completely new environment things you are uh, eating smelling seeing everything is just gonna do something to help you um oh, yeah, yeah. Move, move away from your sound thing so that that's really interesting the destination thing and then keeping it less overwhelmed and you know i love the be organized tip um and i i agree you know you can you can and it's not patronizing i think it's something that you might I mean some people will naturally do that I um am not naturally organized but I have learned how to be (laughs) I have to I have to have I mean in some ways I'm really not but in other ways I know that there are certain things and especially going through treatment particularly it's just so important because it helps it helps your state of mind to reduce overwhelm reduce stress to just be like okay got everything here I can see everything's all printed out there's one thing I wanted to one more question I want to ask you before we go um uh Sarah was saying yeah may as well enjoy it too yeah why not Absolutely. you know yeah,
1: hell yeah and you're at the clinic like a handful of times right you know, so, you know you may as well go and enjoy that place that you've not chosen well you haven't chosen to yes, be there, but but you're you've there. Cho- yes There's you're there a journey so you know being away from the stresses and strains of work are immeasurable I think but also now because since the pandemic in particular if you're thinking well actually that's great Emma but I can't necessarily take that time off work you know some of my clients take their some of that some work with them and they do a bit of both and that works brilliantly for them because now of course you know we've shown the world that we can work remotely Absolutely. Um, yeah beats rushing to the home and office like I remember prior to flying abroad like my job was out and about in family's homes and I've come back to the office and I'd have to like set alarms on my phone to take medication and I'd be like in someone's living room because an appointment had overrun and and i would have to fly back to work and then go to the toilets and inject myself in the works toilets and it just you know was just really difficult and then I went abroad and I was like once I mean once I I got there I was just like stressed before you know and if you can get some support through whatever like I've got a free podcast I've got loads of free resources up to kind of my one-to-one support if you can get some support with it honestly I think it's it will help so much um, with kind of reducing that kind of those stress levels. Well, I think,
0: yeah, absolutely, because it's because it's become something that's just something else that you're doing rather than the absolute be-all and end-all focus. That Of course, I absolutely get it. It is. The stakes are very high. So it's never yeah. going to not be like, oh, such yeah. a huge thing that I'm going yeah. through. But at the same time, I can completely see how, you know, Doing it this way, it becomes just something that you are doing alongside your life, alongside living, which mm. so often we forget to do. I
1: stopped living completely. I stopped mm. any any joy was, I let any joy go out of my life. I stopped everything. Um, and actually they they were quite nice times. I had away, that was some of the nice parts of it. Um, you know, and now for us, like the Czech Republic obviously holds a very special place and we'll take mm. my son there one day um you know and we did have a nice time there you know we did nice things it, as I said earlier it's not the same as having a holiday or, or a city break when you're not going through fertility treatment but you're not in that clinic the whole time so you can distract yourself and go and do some nice things
0: mm-hmm. while you're there I think yeah well I'll, I'll no my thoughts gone I'll ask yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one more thing I was gonna say No, it's gone um just one more thing I wanted to say, because you were saying in your in your top three tips and you were saying, you know, make sure it's safe. How do people make how do people do those? Like where do they go for the checks? Because here we have the HFEA. That's a UK thing, right? It's not like a the HFEA is like yeah. Human Fertilization Embryo Authority, by the way, if anyone doesn't know. So what can you where do you go to do that?
1: It's very, it's different in every country, and this is what makes it it complex. Um one of the things that you can do though is. Um, you can contact the country's ministry of health um, and if you are dealing with countries within Europe that are in the European Union finding out if they have members within Eshre or Eshra, depending how you pronounce it which is a bit like our equivalent to the HEFA in the UK um, because that means that you know standards are Eshray is very similar to ours, so it's, it, it means that you've got those European standards, and doesn't I mean no European standards are very similar to our kind of standards, if not higher, but you've got that baseline that you know that you're going somewhere that is safe, you need to be considering, you know, ethical practice in that country, and what ethics, what ethics means to you, because everyone's different, and there's no judgment, um, what the political landscape's like, you know, are you going to be going somewhere that's safe? If you're going to be doing something like donor conception, you know, things like donor welfare is very important to me as I'm sure it is to to your audience you know and donors not be not being paid so it's not a money-making operation so there's quite a lot that that kind of goes into that sort of safety safety and ethics piece I think kind of linked yeah um, but there's no one answer because every country is different and that's what, make, like said, that's what makes it confusing and that's why I do that kind of piece for people
0: yeah. um
1: But, you know, starting with a European, EU country is a good place to start.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people
1: find you? Okay, so I'm over on the gram at Your IVF Abroad. My website is yourivfabroad.co.uk. And I also have a podcast as well called Your IVF Abroad. (laughs) Um, So that's a great place to go. And like, especially if you're kind of trying to work out if it's, right for you or not. Um, I then offer obviously offer services as well to help people depending on what stage you're at. So if you, you know, you're at the stage where you're just trying to figure out if you want to go and you want to ask some questions, I've got, you know, you can book a one-off call up to kind of full support to find a clinic and support people through um, treatment as well. Um, I also have a blog which you can find on my website too where I write about different things. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Fabulous amazing thank you so much and um yeah sorry saying interesting chat yeah it was really interesting welcome. and tonight laugh, 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 as we got called tonight um yeah super helpful amy says amazing emma thank you so much so yeah been incredible and it's been enlightening thank you so oh, yeah amazing chat incredible story and um, we really appreciate your time and um and your energy oh that's what i was going to say one thing before we go yes is yes. that um there's just just around the joy and the different energy that you get from being and choosing IVF Abroad. So for anyone who is in my membership, I just want you to note this <laughs> because I teach a framework called the LifeRoth Framework, Life Ruff, Um Framework, and we have different kind of columns in these frameworks. So it's interesting because the energy um, clear is one of the... Uh, pieces that I teach and that we look for and sometimes we need the energy clear so I was just just wanted to to drop that in to people who are in my membership to think about that and to think about the joy that you were talking about Emma and where it left you and where you actually found it coming back when you did make this proactive empowered decision to go abroad to have your treatment yeah hey. I just had
1: a bit of control back which is is massive when you such I don't know about you guys but my clients tell me I felt very out of control, and that's a horrible place to feel. So, if you can just get a little bit of control back, and focus, and, and momentum for things to move forward, and, and for some people getting some answers and clarity, is massive. Yeah, because being stuck in that limbo of not knowing what's happening is, I think, one of the worst bits. Absolutely, um, the proactive, you,
0: you know, to yeah completely the proactivity piece is is huge so yeah i wanted to just just pop that in at the end um lucy's saying i relate to the out of control here and then the relief and joy of choosing to go abroad it was a huge mindset shift for me i felt joy during it love that lucy thanks for oh, good
1: yeah thank um, you um
0: amazing all right well thank you so much again um <laughs> <laughs> the messy ending because of my crazy brain but yeah we we are really appreciative of your time and um want to thank you so much so go and find emma at your ivy abroad on instagram and all the other places that she's at. i'll put it in the show notes as well all right